Are you laughing now? Welcome to episode number four of Embrace the Suck, the official licensed, sanctioned, gloves up, mask on podcast of APG. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you live from Central Europe, where apparently Asian hornets that can kill you with one sting are beginning to invade. Also from China, if you can imagine that. So we're about a solid month and change into this corona situation and uh, sort of lighten the mood and then bring it back around to some some real talk that'll tell you a few stories first uh beard update it's been about a good two or three weeks since i had to shave this situation because i was going to mask up and go on a flight and um and then that turned out to not happen but i almost look like a normal person again i'm at about that stage where i look like a scientist that's been stuck in the amazon on accident for about a month or so um, kind of, I look like a guy that doesn't have a beard that's starting to have one, and uh, instead of a guy with a beard. But um, right, fingers crossed. Right. Okay. So let's get to it. So I'll tell you a couple of stories, and um, at first you'll think hey, these these are really not related at all. I don't understand what these stories are about. But at the end, I'm going to bring it all back around. So so listen, good. So I got to uh, my very first SEAL team was SEAL Team One, and I got there in about 1995. Well, I got there in 1995 and uh, they used to call it Stalag Team One. So I got there, I was a brand new guy and you know, you're going to a SEAL team and you expect to get handed like a tuxedo and a silenced pistol and, you know, keys to an Aston Martin and like, you're, you're in the club now, you're going to do some secret squirrel stuff, but not so much. Like I, I went in there in 1995, right? The funding is low. Um, there's nothing going on. Nobody's really doing that much. It's just train, train, train. So you go to supply to get your initial issue and they hand you this stuff that looks like you're going to be an extra on mash. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things they hand me was this set of jump boots. So if you don't know, jump boots are, um, like the original issued paratrooper boots. They don't look like jungle boots. They don't look like work boots. They're like these giant leather boots that are supposed to be, you know, extra support, I guess, you know, when you're throwing yourself out of a plane, like, you know, a little extra leather is going to keep you in one piece, but whatever it's, uh, it's customary, traditional, whatever. So jump boots. So they hand me this set of jump boots and I'm like, what are these for? And the supply clerk is like, well, those are, you shine those up and those are for inspections every Friday. And I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, you silly. No, he's, he's dead serious. Every Friday at SEAL team one, they called the Stalag team one. And every Friday, you would have an inspection. So your boots are gonna be shined up and your uniform's gonna be pressed and you're gonna look like a million dollars and the boss is gonna walk down the line and he's gonna personally inspect every operator and you better look good or you'll be sorry. So this was how it was at team one. Now, now team three, I guess they're gonna move, they're moving all the SEAL teams to another location because of the endangered you know, sea monkey or whatever. But where it, where it was, you know, at this time, there's no giant building between SEAL Team 1 and SEAL Team 3. So you could look across the compound to SEAL Team 3, and at SEAL Team 3 and SEAL Team 5, which you couldn't see from there. But at SEAL Team 3, every, like, once, uh, once a month, they would have a keg and burger Friday. So 
every three weeks, you would look over there and there would be, you would be standing there in your dress uniform, not your dress uniform, but you're in your camis all spiffed up and your boots shining. You'd be looking over there and there's guys having burgers and drinking beer. So that was like the, the, the culture there, Stalag Team 1. Everything was just so, everything's very strict. And, and that was the way they did everything and you just got used to it. But there was one dude there, a dude named Matt Bourgeois, a guy from Florida. This dude... This dude could read a phone book and make you laugh. Like it, everything you do in the military, especially in the SEAL teams, you got to sit through a brief, right? So there's a brief about, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is going to be the safety guy. If you've done an event with us, you've heard this kind of a thing. We give the little safety brief at the beginning. Everything you do in the SEAL teams is like that, but about three times as long. And everybody hates it. Everybody hates a safety brief. But if Booz was given the brief, if Matt Bourgeois was given the brief, like people would, would stick their head in because the guy's hilarious. Like everything this guy says is funny. So uh, one time this guy was given a brief and he's talking about, he's talking about dive fins and guys are doing, we're supposed to be doing over the beach, right? So this is where you get out of a boat and you swim your stuff, like your, your, your pack and your, your gun and the whole getup. And you're going to swim that through the surf. And then climb out and, you know, walk over the beach and go do whatever you're going to do. And then you would go back. So we're just practicing the going in and out of the water part. And Boozer's up there, goes on a rant about, about, hey, man, now, I ain't that smart. Like, I went to college. Like, I didn't graduate, but I went to college. And I'm going to tell you something about these fins, man. Like, whoever designed these fins, like, that guy's got more letters behind his name than I got in my name. So whatever you do, don't think you're smart. You're going to be smart. You're going to cut these fins down. There's a way they're supposed to work. And I don't know what that way is, but I do know if you start taking a knife to them and try to make them short so it's easier for you to walk over the beach with them, then you're going to screw up these fins, man. So don't go screwing up these fins. Just gut it out, carry these fins. And the dude was just going, like, went on a five-minute rant about fins and you. But good stuff. And that was, that I think was the last time I ever saw I think that was the last time I ever saw Booze. Another dude that sticks out in my mind. I mean, I, well, you've never heard of this guy, a guy uh, in the teams that we call DQ, and he was in my first platoon. And uh, you will have remembered when um, Princess Diana died, car crash, yeah? And wherever they were in England somewhere. And uh, I, they said, like, the paparazzi was chasing her and her driver got distracted ran into something and they they both died so we were in australia when that happened the day that happened we were out at the bar in australia which if you've been there is a huge event you know and i didn't know at the time that australia and england had some kind of a thing going you know like that that, that you know uh, australia was an english colony british colony from back in the day i mean i kind of knew that but i didn't know about the ongoing relationship right so I'm watching the thing on the news, you know, at the bar and I'm like, oh, Princess Diana chick's dead. And I'm like, why do I care? I don't care. And I didn't know that these people, like people were fans. And all of a sudden the, the Americans were very unpopular at the Australian pub. So we had to take off quick. So there was me and this, uh, you know, a couple of the other guys and this one guy, DQ, and this guy, he loved, they got this stuff, Strongbow Cider. You might've heard of it, but at the time they only had it there. So we get back to the hotel though and we crash and uh, 
we get up in the morning and we're supposed to go back to the ship. We were attached to a ship at the time. And DQ, with all that cider still flowing through him, we're like, hey, man, you got to get up. Come on, we got to go back. And he's like, oh, I'm not going. Like, dude, come on, man, get out of bed. We got to go. He's like, no, I'm not going. I'm staying right here. And the dude was, he was not small. Like this guy went probably a good, a good 220, 230, like really thick. And he's like, I'm not going. And he's, he's like gorilla gripping the mattress on this hotel bed. He's not going to go. Like, Come on, man. And we're like, there's like three of us trying to pry him off of this mattress. So like, dude, if you're going to be late, then we're going to get the, the heat for it. So come on. He's like, no, I'm staying in Australia. I'm never leaving. No, I'm staying. So we finally, we're, we're prying on him and we get like one legs, two legs. And now he's angry because he wants to hang on to this mattress. So this dude, this big dude jumps up and snatches up this mattress. And he's like, how about this? And he's trying to throw this mattress off the balcony. We're like, dude, don't do that. He's like, no, I'll go one better. And now he's, he's taking his pants off. Naked off the balcony. I'll show you a thing or two. We're like, dude, come on. You know, we finally get him sorted out. The room is askew now. And we're getting him ironed out. And we're getting him out the door. We finally get back to the ship. We're like, just don't say anything, man. Just keep your mouth shut. DQ, man. What a character. Another guy that comes to mind during these, uh, you know, this, this lockdown situation, this guy, uh, Jason Freewall, we called him Freeball. And um, when we very first invaded Iraq in, um, well, not very first, but the second time around, right? So in April, 2003, and it was a big to do because obviously there had nothing, been nothing going on since Desert Storm. And all we were doing was the, the first the first thing that we did was just go in and take the the oil fields because like the first time the desert storm time and they lit all that stuff on fire like well if you're gonna if you're gonna come invade our country we're just gonna burn our country down all right well great terrific but what a mess right so they want us to go take the oil fields first so all we had to do was land in these oil fields and go secure like the pumping all the pumping facilities and that was our big you know, special mission. They're like, you know, a blind man's dog could do this, but it was the first thing that had gotten done in a long, long time. So off we go to go do this thing. And we rehearsed for this thing, man. We rehearsed months, months of getting in the helicopter, getting out of the helicopter. I mean, I still know what I had to do. I mean, cause all I had to do was you get in the helicopter, the ramp goes down, I get out, I go to the left and I look for the building. Easy, right? But we practice, practice, practice. So we go to do this thing. April, I think it was, I want to say April 12th or something, 2003. We finally, you know, we, we get the word, we're going, we're going now. It's middle of the night. All right, cool. So we go out there and we're sitting in the back of these, these 53s. We call them the whistling shit can of death because it's, uh, they're, they're Marine helicopters and, you know, funding was low. And for the Marine Corps, funding is always even lower. So you're just praying that, oh, please just get me on the ground, man. Just, just drop me off in a country that doesn't like me and I'll handle the rest. Just, just get me there. So you're sitting in the back there and they do like these little bounce checks. Like they would, like one helicopter would lift up and, and set back down. The next one lifts off, sets back down. The next one lifts off, sets back down. So everybody's ready and we start rolling and we take off. And off we go, man. And we're flying towards Iraq. And as you fly around in these, these, you know, these countries, you see like the little, the mud huts and the little square buildings, and there's a light here and there. 
But once we started getting, you know, we start getting towards Iraq and we, we dropped down, like we dropped down real low. And now we're flying low and fast, man, and just hauling across the desert, like open desert, like there's nothing there. And then boom, boom, you see the, you see the fence, like the fence line in the wall, like this is like, you know, like you're off the map now, man. Like you're, you're in the goo, you're getting it on, you're invading the country. So we're going, going, going. They give the five minute call. The guy comes back, gives like the hand signal, five minutes. Everybody repeats five minutes. You're getting your act together, getting goggles on, making sure everything's turned on and nothing's forgotten. And gives one minute. Everybody passes one minute, gives 30 seconds. Everybody passes 30 seconds. And then you feel like they're like bouncing around. You feel like when the helicopter slows down, you're not going forward and it starts kind of shaking. And you know, like any second they're going to be setting down. And then like when you get right close to the ground and that ramp is down and all that dust starts filling the cabin and you're like, okay, any second, any second, then boom, boom, boom. And then you're down. Ramp goes all the way down and you take off, man. And we got out there and it was like, yeah, I'm invading the country. And you're almost, you know, you're, you're in the, in the plaid, man. Like you got no idea what you're doing. You're just going like on autopilot. Okay, I go out. I turn to the left. Oh, there's the facility. And we, we go, there's nobody even there, man. And you know, we're like, cranked up to go do this thing there's nobody even there we get this thing ironed out and now we call call back that we got it secure and now our follow-on was the british royal marines so we're waiting for them and they they fly in they start and they're dropping like you know they're heloing in jeeps you know like jeeps and, and vehicles and whatnot and they're dropping this stuff off and now the the a10s start doing runs so there's me and this guy, Jason Freewall, and uh, we're sitting in this, in this kind of little drainage ditch behind the pumping facility where, uh, the, 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 you know, the couple of buildings that we got charged with taking down. So we're sitting in this drainage ditch, just watching all this happen. So we're watching the Royal Marines fly in and drop all their stuff off. We're watching the A-10 runs. And if you don't know what A-10s are, A-10s are those, uh, they're called warthogs. And, uh, it's basically like a flying gun. It's like they built a gun and stuck a couple engines on it and then figure out where to put the wings so it'll fly. So apparently the guns on this thing are so strong that if it's flying level and it fires, it'll, it'll slow the thing down. It'll crash. So it has to come down, like coming straight down and, and fire and then take off. And so you hear this thing doing these runs and you, you YouTube it. Look up A-10 runs. And it's like, you hear these things, you hear the guns going. And me and Freeball free are just sitting there and we're eating gummy bears because, you, you, you know, you want a snack, right? So bring something to eat. So we're sitting there and we're eating gummy bears and we're watching the A-10 runs. And that was kind of the first time ever that I had felt like the training wheels were off. You know, like the, that first time when, you, when your dad takes the training wheels off your bike and like, you know, you, when you're a little kid, you would kind of imagine like, man, I'm going to soon, I'm going to be do this and I'm going to be able to do this and this thing's going to stay upright. Like this is that time, like the training wheels are off. The bicycle is rolling. There are no safety briefs for this, man. If you're in the wrong spot, you're done. You know, so you have your act together, but it was, it was, it was really something. And, uh, and it was, it was kind of cool, you know, to be sitting there with that, that guy and say, wow, check this out, man. You know, kind of to enjoy that minute with somebody else, with one of the bros. So one of the last, um, the last guy that I'll talk about one of the last memories kind of looking back during this lockdown time 
was a guy named Remy Peters. And this is after, you know, I met, I met Remy after I had already retired and I had taken a gig. Um, I had taken a gig working as, uh, as a civilian instructor, helping out at the SEAL teams with the, the urban training block. So every, you know, like every other month or so, I would go out to San Clemente Island. So if you've heard of Catalina Island, you know, off the coast of like LA, um, San Clemente Island is like 30 miles beyond that. So the other side of Catalina, and that's like mostly bombing range, you know, so like the ships go there and they, you know, practice lobbing ordnance into there. And then one end is a small naval base. It's got like a little airstrip and it's, there's a little training area just for, just for the SEAL teams. So like every other month we would go out there and they've got this kind of a mock town stood up and practice guys moving through there in vehicles, moving through there on foot, you know, how to kind of corral civilian populations and, hey, man, get out of the way, you know, while we're going to look for Carlos the Jackal in this, you know, in this building or whatever. So it's just a training area. And uh, I was going out there every other month or so helping out. And you know, one of the guys is, you know, one of the guys is hassling me. He's like, hey, Bill, what was, uh, what was Vietnam like? I'm like, man, come on, dude. And it's a trip because I remember when I was going through training, there were, there were guys with the little Vietnam ribbon that were putting us through training, you know, and you're like, man, that guy's, he's so vintage, right? So old, like, you know, somebody should polish him, make sure, you know, make sure he maintains his resale value. But now, you know, guys are looking at me like that. And I'm like, this isn't that cool. Being an old guy's not, not the deal. But then I was like, Hey, you know what? I said, you know, while we're talking about that, you know, who's the old guy here? Um, I said, hey, man, who, which of you guys have kids? And out of the training staff there, there's probably like only two or three guys that had kids. I said, hey, man, this is a dangerous job, you know, and the world needs hitters. So you cats better get cracking. And everybody's kind of like, ah, whatever, old guy. There was one guy, Remy Peters, that said, he says, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm engaged and I'm probably, you know, we're going to look at cranking out some kids pretty soon, you know, because, yeah, you know, you're right. You know, there's, it is a dangerous job and, and the world needs frogmen. And uh, that was, you know, out of all the guys, out of all the guys that should be cranking out kids, like this guy was a specimen. This dude was, he was like jacked, sharp guy, knew what he was doing, knew his business, had his life together. You know, when I came into the SEAL teams, you know, it was solid guys. But, you know, there were there was a little bit of a, a misfit aspect to it. Like, you know, you, it's this or jail, right? And guys now, I mean, guys are finely tuned machines now, you know, carefully chosen and finely trained. But um, Remy's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get on that. And I said, all right, well, cool, man. You know, maybe get on it, you know, before you go back to a team and get deployed. He's like, oh, no, when I leave here, I'm going to the jump team. Good dude, good dude. So what all these stories got to do with each other, man? Why am I just telling you random stories about random people? I'll tell you why I'm telling you these stories. Because every one of these people are dead. Every single one of them are dead. All right, Matt Bourgeois was the first guy to get killed in Afghanistan. The first SEAL to get killed in Afghanistan stepped on a, on a landmine. Dead. Jeff DeClerc, guy that I did a platoon with. Great guy. Love that guy. Love his family. That guy came down with some kind of nerve condition that makes every nerve in your body feel like it's on fire. I saw him and he was in bad shape and then he ended up taking his own life. That was in 2014. 
Jason Freewald, Freeball, the guy I was eating gummy bears with, that guy got killed in 2008 in Afghanistan. They went and cleared a house and... And, you know, we say like these guys, they, they could hide an elephant in a shoebox. And you go through these places, you think you looked everywhere. They thought they looked everywhere. And some guy pops out of a little hidey hole. And now Freeball's dead since 2008. Remy Peters goes to the jump team. Parachute malfunction. He's dead. 2017. So, you know, when people start talking about... Oh, times are so hard. Things are so bad. Oh, it's the end is here. Let me tell you something. You're lucky to be here. Whether it's hornets invading from China, whether it's disease outside your door, whether I can't go shopping without putting gloves on. You're lucky to see the sun come up. This thing that people go on about, about, oh, I didn't ask to be born, man. Oh, I didn't. Shut up. You're lucky to be here. And every day you see the sun come up, you should be grateful that you get to be a part of it. And what you accomplish in life, what you accomplish between then and now, really speaks to how you see your situation. Because I'll tell you something, some of the people that have walked this earth that have accomplished the most are people who started in the worst possible positions. You got to put a mask on to go to the grocery store? I think of people, that, you know, I, I had a chance to interview with the CIA. Obviously, I didn't get the gig, right? Because they, basically, they should put a sign out front that says, like, dogs and team guys keep off the grass. But I did get the interview and the guy says, hey, so tell me, who are some of your heroes? I'm like, heroes, what? Man, come on. No, no tell me, who are some of your heroes? Me, I tend to not look at a whole person of like, yeah, I'm going to be just like that guy. You know, I'm going to model my whole self after that guy. The way I try to think of it is I look at a person, any person, and try to take the one thing that they're doing right and take that for myself and then apply that to my life. So he says, who's, you know, who are some of your heroes? I could look historically at like, I could look at Genghis Khan, starts in prison with nothing, people trying to kill him, and then goes on to establish an empire. I could look at people like the guy that picks up my trash. You got to be around that smile all day, every day, and you still do it, and you do it on time and do it properly. I could admire that. There are so many ways that you can accomplish, so many ways that you can get to where you want to be, be the person you want to be. But what's the excuse? What's the excuse? Well, now's not a good time, man. There's this pandemic on. Hey, let me tell you something. Trying to accomplish something more than just get by, it's a lot like buying a boat or having a kid or loading a body into your trunk. There's never a good time to do it. Make the decision, hey, man, I got something I want to do. You got downtime right now. You make that decision. You line it out, write it out, get it done. So that's my rant for today, ladies and gents. I hope you enjoyed it. If you get a chance, take a look at our website. It's going to be, hopefully, by the time you hear this, we'll be up and running in a remodeled state that does not look like a park and rec, rep, park and rec website. So if you want your kids to learn to swim, like you won't bother looking at our website, although that's what you might have thought before, you take a look at our website, www.apg.team. If you've got a question or something you want to hear about, a topic you want us to go over, Send us an email at info at apg.team. Until next time, as the sun sets slowly in the east, we'll leave you with a quote from Genghis Khan who said, Had you not committed terrible sins, the gods would not have inflicted me upon you.
but I am smart, capable, and most importantly, I'm free in all the ways that you are not.